shapeshifters. You can't drink a bottle of water, a, a cup of hot chocolate, a cup of coffee. Um, I don't know. So many products have a slab of chocolate without running the risk of having a Nestle product. Um, as a kid earlier, I was telling you the first spat I had with my sister that I remember anyway was over the pronunciation of the name. I was learning to read and I was convinced it was called Nestle. Um, many of you on my Twitter account this evening tell me that there were actually UK advertising campaigns referring to Nestle as Nestles. Um, and somebody's 85-year-old grandmother still refers to Nestle as Nestles as a result of advertising campaigns in the United Kingdom uh, when she was young. Uh, and so as a result, the Nestles uh, Managing Director and Chairman in South Africa joins me this evening. His name is Ian Donald. He's tonight's shapeshifter. You've been with this company for 40 Three years. Like That's a, right. It's like a, an it's average, more it's than average a person's lifetime. It's yes. more than a lifetime, yeah. But what yeah. makes one person stick in one company for so long? I don't know. Um, when I joined, I went for one of those psychometric tests, you know, as to whether I was suited to a corporate structure or not, and I was told I was not. And this person told me at the time I should move on very quickly, and that's 43 years ago. Uh, and it's been hugely, it's been rewarding and exciting and fantastic. I've was, had a lot that, of experience. Was that Nestle in South Africa 40 years yes, ago? Yes, it was originally in South Africa, yeah. But I've had the privilege of being able to work in a number of other countries as well. Is that the advantage of working for a multinational? Yes, if that's what you want. But there's, but there's the growth and satisfaction in your own country, wherever you are as well. But if you, if you enjoy this uh, challenge of moving to another culture, yes, there's plenty of opportunities. How much yeah. of a nomad have you been? I was not in the early years. I didn't like traveling at all. I used to be very insecure in airports and maps and getting lost and all the rest of it and very patriotic in that I never wanted to leave South Africa. And as a white South African, when we came out of the apartheid era, we had this huge feeling that I needed to make a contribution somehow and I didn't want to go on any expat assignment. And I got persuaded at some point, and I'm very pleased I did because I've always remained patriotic about South Africa and have wanted to come back. But the experience and the broadening and the learning of the cultures and my own personal growth, it was really a good experience. Where, where have you worked? Uh, Philippines, Malaysia, Pakistan, Afghanistan, uh, most countries north. Afghanistan? Yeah, most countries when? north of us as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, two years ago, yeah. Okay, so Afghanistan in tatters or not? Uh, yes and no. It's quite strange because it, I looked after Pakistan and Afghanistan, so it mm. fell under the Pakistan management structure. And I used to fly in there on the odd sort of every second month or so into Kabul. You couldn't go out of Kabul, unfortunately. We had people that went out of Kabul, locals who yeah. did business there. But I would go into Kabul, go into the office, meet people, fly out again. Um, strange, so uh, surreal because completely chaotic in certain ways and very normal in other ways, you know. Everybody, yeah. I loved wants, it, yeah. everybody wants consumer products. Yes, yes. Oh, and we, do, we, do, we do good business there and there's a need for our products there. And very good people there. We have a really good, strong team on the ground. Uh, very impressed with the guys. Yeah. Your most recent assignment, though, has been an African assignment. Yeah. Where were you based yeah, on based, the continent? Based in Nairobi and looking after the 21-odd countries north of us that, 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 is, that are known as Equatorial Africa region. Great experience, contrasting cultures, you know, from Congo to Mozambique to Mauritius. Very, very different. Were you the guy who signed the deal with Grace Mugabe to get milk for Nestle? Uh, uh, no, I wasn't thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, no. yeah. you know, I mean, you can't be part of a global corporation without those sorts of scandals hitting you from yeah, time to time. I yeah, no, are they scandals and aren't they scandals? And they're scandals to some and they're not scandals to others. It depends. We're very active in Zimbabwe, mm. developing uh, small dairy farmers, helping the Zimbabwe to reestablish its, its dairy industry. We have a factory there. We produce uh, milk powder there. 
So, you know, I've been quite active. We've been quite active in Zimbabwe. How big is the, the business you look after now? I mean, I'm assuming this is just a South Africa Yeah, job this is now. South Africa and the four countries around. It's Botswana, mm. Lesotho, Swaziland, Namibia. Uh, it's, it's, it's a large company. It's in, it's in, the, in, you know, in the top end of the food beverage businesses. What yeah. is your annual turnover? Oh, well, we're not listed here, so... Yeah, well, tell me anyway. No, no, don't give you, I won't put that number out. In multiple it's, uh, billions. In multiple billions. Yeah, no, it's a significant, it's a significant number. Peter, Peter McLeod is sitting on the edge of his seat. Yeah. His beacon yeah. business is eager to know. Yes, he is. That's quite right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but but you're, a, you're a substantial food producer. You're a global food producer yes, alongside yeah. the likes of Kraft or Mondelez, as it's now mm. known, which mm. subsumed Cadbury's, which is a big mm. global rival of yours as well. There's quite a lot of global consolidation of food, isn't there? Yeah, there is in some ways, but there's also an emergence of local, regional, and and local country-based companies opening up. Uh, so I think that's balancing it out quite a lot. It's very competitive at a local level, interestingly enough. So there are these big um, corporations around, uh, but we are very specific in where we position ourselves. And uh, explain that. And uh, our, you know, we started off. Our company was started by a gentleman called Henry Nestle over 150 years ago, and he. He, he developed a product, a cereal, purely to help children in the area where he lived who were suffering from, from malnutrition and from, from uh, diet issues, dietary issues. Probably rickets and things like that. And we've gone on from that ever since. Our, our mission has remained all along is to enhance the quality of life of people, primarily through nutrition. And this is what we keep on working at all the time. Why are global food companies so often criticized, though, for uh, being part of the problem when it comes to obesity and issues like that, the content of salt and sugar in mm-hmm. processed foods? I think there's been a huge learning curve in the world and the industry over the last 20, 30 years about salt and sugar. And we are a confectioner. We do have chocolate in our business, which has sugar in it. And this, is, this has been something we've had to work on very hard over the last years uh, in alignment with, with uh, World Health Organization guidelines and uh, local guidelines in countries uh, to make sure that we get our products to the correct, acceptable level of sugar and salt and so on. And, and we're very committed to this. This is very important. I think it's a learning curve for everyone. As consumers and a consumer myself, this issue of understanding what we eat and what we shouldn't eat and a balanced diet is a, is a, is, has been quite a learning curve for all of us. When we, we look at the South African business of Nestle, you going on a big expansion drive. I think you're spending two billion rand mm-hmm. on, on factory expansions. I had a question earlier on my Twitter account, and we've been very active on Twitter today asking for your questions, asking for your input and some concerns. You've got a factory at Kral, which is north mm-hmm. of Pretoria, concerns that you're closing that um, to focus on the development of new factories in KZN. A comment on that, please? No, we're definitely not closing that at all. We've invested over the last few years. We produce cremora there. Uh, we produce our uh, Maggie noodles there. And, uh, and we produce cereals there. And, and we're investing in it. We have invested in that plant and will continue to do so. And it's a plant in a very critical area, actually. It, uh, it's, it's in a really strong job creation place where it takes work to people rather than the other way around. Have you I'm changed very, the recipe of very cremora? very committed to, to making sure that mm. factory is successful. Have you changed the recipe of cremora? Yes, we have. We have. People are cross. I was you. I was following your Twitter as well this afternoon and saw <laughs> some people asking. Yes, we we it's it's an old brand. It's been around a long time, and we do research and and testing all the time as to what consumers think. And we've had a very strong demand to make it richer and creamier, which we've done after quite lengthy research. And uh, we then did tests and came up with a richer, creamier product, which we launched recently. And we had a very very strong uh, majority support for the. 
it's di- for the improved taste. It's difficult though, isn't it? Because um, Tiger Brands with black cat peanut butter a couple of years ago ran into trouble because they made the traditional black cat sweeter. And people mm. went mad and demanded the old black cat back. Coca-Cola, when they um, launched their new Coca-Cola mm. flavor, um, really got a blood nose. Um, you're sticking with, with Cremora. We you? did very, very careful research and have a very strong, dominant response, positive response. But there definitely are individuals who are not happy. And I've been encouraging wherever I can for those individuals to talk to us and for me to understand exactly what that individual taste may be. It's very difficult to respond to a minority, uh, but, uh, but I'm, we're, we're What's just happening to listening sales all the time. Sales are very strong. So they're growing. So the yeah, new recipe strong. is we're, uh, I think we're the fourth or the fifth biggest market in the world for a coffee creamer. Because of ads Cremora. like this. Mm-hmm. Coffee and Cremora. Yeah. <laughs> Ozo Cremora. Ah, where did she put it? She knows I like my Cremora. Now she hides it. Cremora. It is so rich and creamy. Cremora. You'd expect to find it in the fridge. There's no Kimora in the fridge. It's not inside. It's on top. It's not inside. It's on top. Kimora. It's everybody's favorite advert. Everybody's favorite advert. When I was growing up and TV first started in South Africa, I remember that. Um, It was like an American accent. Honey, there's no Kimora in the refrigerator. And then the the ad was upgraded. That campaign still got strong resonance. Yes, very strong. in, In fact, we didn't use it for a number of years which in hindsight was a bit silly, and uh, we've relaunched with it again. It's a very good, very strong campaign, very good campaign. My guest this evening, our shapeshifter, is Ian Donald. He's the chairman and managing director of Nestle South Africa. We'll talk about how you adapt products and how you change products and how you get market acceptance of change as well. And my guest this evening is Ian Donald. He's the chairman and managing director of Nestle in South Africa. You've got a driver. I have a driver. Because you don't drive, because you lived in Pakistan and in Afghanistan. I've had a driver for many years because Pakistan, Malaysia, places like that, you need need a driver. Traffic and and security in Pakistan played two roles, and you don't know your way around. I have a driver here, not for private, but for certain occasions, for traffic problems, for finding places where I don't know where they are. He does help because... Do you work in the back of the car? I I don't sit in the back. I sit in the front, but I can... Do you work in the front of the car? I do emails and things in the front, yes. It's useful. I mean, as as, as a tool, why not? Yeah. No, it helps. It makes me much more efficient. I've got a phobia about time. So if I'm due at some place at 7 you're, o'clock, you I'm arrive there, an hour yeah. and a half early like you did this evening over <laughs> yes. here. I, I, can, I was so keen. <laughs> I, I, I can second that. Why did you sell Cross and Blackwell? Somebody wants to know. I think you sold it to Tiger Brands yes, and they've yes. turned it around. They've been very successful. Do you regret that sale? Uh, it's, it, it, it was a mayonnaise business. It's a very old business. It was owned. It, it's a brand from the UK. And we originally had a Cross and Blackwell company that we bought in South Africa, which, which was from the parent company in the UK, had a whole lot of products in it. And eventually, over 30, 40 years, those products, uh, um, all kinds of things, uh, disappeared. And we ended up with the mayonnaise alone. And it didn't really fit where we were going in our company and our branding. The Cross and Blackwell is a confined brand to South Africa. It was not an international brand, which, which we were investing in, which was Maggie. And we, could, we took a decision to step away from it. It also, to, to a large degree, is quite commoditized. We had, a, we had a factory down in Cape Town. We were moving oil from here to Cape Town to produce the product, to bring it back up to Johannesburg again. There were a lot of reasons for, for selling it uh, to Tiger. Yeah. Um, your, your, your plain Nestle chocolate bar in red wrapping is pretty scarce at the moment. Do you have a chocolate it shortage? It shouldn't be, no. Because cocoa be. prices are beginning to go up, all the Ebola scares and things well, in other then, parts of yeah, Africa. Yeah, cocoa prices have been climbing, and there is a fear of, of, of issues around shortage of cocoa and prices of cocoa. Prices have, have gone up. But no, we're not short of the red slab at all. 
Lots of lots of questions. Um, a particularly interesting looking one is um, Harry Smith. You've got something going on in Harry Smith. The municipality is failing yeah. to give you proper services in Harry Smith. Are you? Uh, is that a common problem across the areas where you operate? It's happening in a few places at the moment. Um, I was on a on a chat show with you before talking about mm. this issue of municipalities, and we attended a, 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 a workshop with Provin Gordon, with Minister Gordon, discussing this issue of municipalities. And some municipalities are having difficulties uh, with uh, with base, basic infrastructure and and power supply and things like this. Harry Smith is where our infant formula plant is, and we get our electricity from the municipality, not from Eskom. Eskom supply the municipality, yeah. and we get it then from the municipality. We've paid our account and all the rest of it, and we got threatened with cut off because the municipality could not pay Eskom. And uh, the premier of the Free State got involved. The local municipality obviously were very engaging with us. Eskom was engaged with us. And uh, we resolved the issue. And what we've done as a, as a company is we've engaged with the municipality, helping with skill development where we can and, and engaging to try and over to solve the mm. problem. Yeah, but you're doing the job twice then. I mean, this, these yeah, guys should be providing a service. Yes, they should be, but at the same time, yeah. that's okay because, you know, it comes from this principle that uh, if we're here, we've been here 100 years, the intention is to be here another 100 years, and we are part of society and we have a contribution to make. So there's a skill problem in a particular area. We will participate and play our role. Hopefully it gets better. I don't want to have it stay like that forever, but it's a critical factor for us. It's an infant formula factory. It, mm. uh, we export from there as well. Cannot afford to have it standing. Mm. Um, you're 63. You've been yep. in the business for 40 years, yep. 43 years. In fact, you started at the age of 20. Um, you've worked around the world. South Africa now is managing director and chairman. Is there a fixed term to, to the time that you, you spend at, at Nestle? Is there a mandatory 65 retirement age? There's a, there's a 65 retirement age, and there's our, our head office in Switzerland likes our leadership to be three to five years, preferably five years. Um, Ideally, often we like also a, a foreigner in a lead position because it drives change quite a lot mm -hmm. and innovation quite a lot. Um, in my case, we'll see how it goes. I've got the energy and the passion and I love it and I would like to make a contribution. I want to get up every morning and feel that I'm making a difference. And the age is not an issue at the moment. Mm, but you're enjoying it? Very much. What's the best part of the job? It's the people. It's our people. It's this issue of, of, how, of myself and other people getting up in the morning and having a purpose and knowing that I can go somewhere, a company or a place, and do something that will make a difference. And this is huge. And it's interesting. Some people make a difference just by wanting their, their, a salary or a nice place to work. Others want to make a difference in a very profound way, you know, enhancing the quality of life mm. of people. I really don't mind. As long as they've got a purpose and we go to work and we, we make a difference, we make an effort and we get some pleasure out of it, it's great. And that's been the biggest reward all along. Ian, Ian Donald, the Chairman and Managing Director of Nestle South Africa.